I want to read James chapter 5, verses 7 and 8. I want to start there. I want to read, uh, there will be several scriptures. Some of them I will, uh, would like to have them up on the board if I may. Others I will just read to you. But this is a good place to start. I want you to see, uh, be patient therefore brethren, unto the coming of the Lord. Behold the husbandman waiteth for the precious fruit of the earth, and hath long patience for it, until he receive the early and the latter rain. That's, uh, that's interesting. Get verse 8. Put verse 8 up there. Be ye also patient. Establish your hearts. For the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. I want you to see that. Back up to verse 7 one more time. I want to read that one to you again because that involves much of what I want to talk about today. Be patient, therefore, brethren, to the coming of the Lord. Behold, the husbandman waiteth for the precious fruit of the earth and hath long patience for it until he receive the, for, the early and the latter rain. In other places, it's called the former and the latter rain. So I wanted you to see that. You know, it, it's, it's very important for us to recognize that God is always with us in every circumstance and in every situation of life. There are many times in my life that I have felt like that I was um, an utter failure in what I have tried to do. There have been many times, I'm sure you share that same feeling, no matter what you're involved in, no matter what kind of business that you uh, have been called to or you have been placed in, there are times in your life when you have feel like you've accomplished nothing. You feel like you haven't been good for anything. And everything seems to go wrong that can possibly go wrong. And if we're not careful, we will begin to judge or to gauge our success or failure based on our feelings about such a thing. But I want you to know that it's in times, maybe times like this one this morning, when many of our people are not here, but thank God you are, when you would walk away and say, well, you know what? That wasn't really very much of a special service. There wasn't really anything profound about the service today. And I want to talk about that a little bit because there's something about the unconscious presence of God. When God is present and we're not even aware that God is present. There are many times in Scripture that that happened. Of course, you remember, you remember when the two disciples or the two men were on the way to Emmaus after the resurrection of the Lord. And they were walking along just talking about the events that had happened that had taken place over the last few days. And all of a sudden, Jesus is walking with them and the Bible says, and they were not aware, or it was, I think the King James says, it was holden from them who he was. They didn't understand that it was the Lord. It was just another man walking along with them. And they didn't really comprehend the significance of that moment until later. 
as they walked along and talked about these things. And of course, Jesus spoke up and said, what things? And of course, they were incredulous that he did not understand or know all that had been going on. How that Jesus had been crucified and how all that they had gone through, the struggles and the trials, and he had finally been crucified and then the news that he had risen from the dead. And here was someone who appeared as if he didn't know anything about any of that. And so they're walking along, they're not impressed with the presence of this person at all. Until later, when they said, did not our hearts burn within us while He walked with us in the way? Hallelujah. I, I wonder how many times do we sit in this church and we're not aware of the incredible power and presence of the living God. Remember what the psalmist said? If I ascend to the highest mountain, behold, He is there. And if I go to the lowest part of the ocean, behold, the Lord is still there. There is no place that I cannot go, but that the Lord is right there with me. I want you to know today that those times when the Lord is there, but we're not really aware of Him being there, we really need to shake ourselves and take another look at what's going on around us. At maybe, just maybe, this might be a turning point in our life that will point us in a different direction. Now all of us like those times when Jesus took Peter and James and John up on the mountain and was transfigured before them and, and appeared to him Moses and Elijah. And they began to talk to one another. And Peter was so overwhelmed with what was going on. He said, why don't we just stay up here, Lord? Let's make three tabernacles. One for Moses and one for Elijah and one for you. And Jesus, of course, let them know, hey, we can't stay up on the mountain all the time. We've got to go back down once in a while. All of us would like to have those times in our life when the presence of God is so powerful and so profound that we would just like to stay there and never have to leave. Maybe some of those tremendous church services when the move of God is just so thick and so powerful. Folks, I'm here to tell you, God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Listen to me when I'm saying, God does not move more in one service than He does the other service. He is always the same. He is always willing that if you will obey Him, if you will seek Him, if you will follow Him, we can have a powerful move of God every time we come together in the house of God. It is never dependent on whether or not God will do it. It's always dependent on whether or not I will do it because I'm the one that's holding back the blessing and it's never God. Amen. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. But it's been my observation through the years that any time 
I allow myself to get in the middle of a tremendous blessing. You see, we can be in here. We can have 300 people sitting in here and we can have four or five that's in revival. And we can have 295 or six who are sitting there watching. Now, do you think God loves those four or five more than he loves you? No. It's because some people just know how to obey God and they get everything out of the way and allow themselves to surrender to the move of the Holy Spirit. And this is what I'm saying. We need to, we need to recognize those unconscious times when the power of God is present and we're not even aware of what God is trying to do. Oh, I would like those times, but, but I've, I've just noticed through the years that that when I get in a time of extreme uh, spirituality in my own life and in my own heart, it usually is just before a great trial. It's usually just before some big struggle comes into my life or affects some of my family. So the Lord actually prepares me for the next event that's about to take place in my life. As I am in the presence of the Lord and enjoying the supernatural move of the Holy Spirit, God is strengthening me. He is infusing me with new power because there's going to be another enemy. There's going to be another struggle that I'm going to have to face in the next few days. Glory to God. So I want you to understand that one glimpse of the glory of the Lord can change an otherwise boring service into a powerful service. And it's got nothing to do with the preacher preaching. It's got nothing to do with the music that's being sung. It's got everything to do with whether or not I am going to be obedient to the move of God and the power of the Holy Spirit. Glory to God. So I want you to know the, the, the weight of the burden is on your shoulders. And it's not on God. Hallelujah. That's why James would say, count it all joy when you face all kinds of trials. We rejoice in the hope of the glory of the Lord because we know when trials are coming to us that we have just been blessed with an incredible transfusion of God's power that gives us the strength to be an overcomer and to face whatever it is that we're going through in life. Now that's not to say it won't be tough. It's tough on me just like it's tough on you. We all face battles and struggles. We all have family issues that we have to deal with. We all, we all have to deal with problems and struggles and trials and hardships. And remember Jesus said, in this world you shall have tribulation. But be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So we have to take the bad with the good. We always understand that. Remember that time when Jacob was wrestling with the angel? 
He had been running from his brother Esau. He heard that Esau was coming. <laughs> now I, I, I relate to Jacob a lot here. Jacob, Jacob was, well he was just, well he was Jacob. And it's hard to explain what he was. He was the grandson of Abraham. The great man Abraham. He's lived all his life in the shadow of his grandfather. And he's made a mess. All of his life he's been deceiving people. I mean, he fooled his brother to sell him his birthright. He fooled his dad to get the blessing. He's lived all his life as a failure, as a mess. <laughs> and it's been 20 years and he's afraid to face his brother. And somebody told him Esau's coming. They scared him to death. And so he did everything he could to keep from having to face putting that handful of butter beans in that last hole at the end of the row. He did everything he could to keep from facing that. And the reason he did that, he knew there was going to be a price to pay for fooling his brother Esau. So he put all of his cattle and all of his livestock out front. Then he put all of his children and all of his wives and all of his servants and then he went across the river and got over on the other side by himself. So that if Esau came, Esau would have to fight through all of his livestock. He'd have to fight through all of his servants and all of his children and wives. He'd have to kill all of them before he ever got to Esau. And here's Esau on the other side of the river. He had no idea that God was about to change his whole perspective on life. As far as he was concerned, he was a total failure. My grandfather is Abraham. Everybody talks about Abraham. Everybody loves to give accolades to, to Abraham. And who am I? I must not have any of those genes in me. Look at me. I'm a deceiver. I've done nothing but fool people. And now I've got to pay a price and I don't want to die. He's there. He's tired. He's afraid. He doesn't know what to do and the, he said, well, I got to get some sleep. So he lay down and he even got some stones for a pillow, put them under his head. And he went to sleep. Well, now you would think that would be the last place that God would choose to change this man's life. Look what he is. He's a, he is a joke. He really is. He is a joke. He's, he's not man enough to try to protect his own wife and children. He, he, doesn't, he, he knows his grandfather Abraham was a mighty God or, or a mighty man and everybody talks and brags about Abraham, but nobody's bragging about Jacob. That's 
And when he went to sleep, all of a sudden, God began to deal with him in his dreams. You see, the unconscious presence of God in a situation that you would have never thought that God would do anything for a man like that. A man who had made a failure. A man who had spent his life playing jokes on people and deceiving people. And now he's at the time whenever he's just wanting to lay down and sleep. He doesn't have God on his mind. But God's got him on his mind. (laughs) That's the way God is, you know. Whenever you get to the place in life that you feel like you can't run any further... When you can't do anything else, you've tried it all and none of it has worked and you're just tired of all of it. You're, trying to, you're tired of trying to be what everybody else wants you to be and all of a sudden, you just want to lay down and get some rest from all of it and God comes knocking right at that moment. And all of a sudden he saw this ladder going up to heaven and he saw angels ascending and descending. I'm telling you right now, God was saying, Jacob, you can't run from me. I've got plans for you. You are in a mighty family. There's been a great heritage that has been passed down to you. And not only will it be the father Abraham, but in years to come, they will be saying, the son of Abraham, Isaac, And Jacob, your name is going to be great in all of the earth. Hallelujah. And the name that God changed his name to Israel shall be the name of a great nation of people. You don't know what God's got in mind for you. Hallelujah. It's hard for you to comprehend because we only from the physical side begin to see When God's got greater stuff and bigger stuff in mind for us. Where was God in this? But I love that scripture. In Genesis chapter 28 verse 1, it said that when he came to a certain place. (laughs) It was a certain place. That certain place turned out to be where Jacob, he felt absolutely nothing at first. He felt like he didn't know why he was even there. He didn't know what was going on. All he wanted to do was get some sleep and he'd worry about running from Esau the rest of the way the next day. He had no hope and no purpose in life. But God always has a plan. God always has a plan for you. And when you come to the end and you're ready to give up on all of it, I'm telling you, God will suddenly spill out a whole new section of new plans and new orders that He's got in mind for you. The unconscious presence of God just simply means I may not feel it. That doesn't mean He's not here. Because He's always here. Hallelujah. Matthew 28, 20 said, But I am with you always, even to the end of the world. I'll be with you. There's nothing that will stop me. I'll be with you. Hallelujah. So we don't give up when we feel nothing. We don't give up when we feel nothing. We don't live by feeling. We live by faith. There are plenty of times I don't feel a thing. 
And if I go by what I feel like, I wouldn't try to do anything. You ever have those days when you don't even feel like getting out of the bed? You say, what's the purpose? You don't feel like going to work? You sure don't feel like reading your Bible or praying. I mean, you got plenty of other stuff you could do and you, you satisfy yourself that that's important stuff. You need to do that whether you read the Bible or not. I mean, really, we really come to ourselves and we try to make logic out of all of it. But I want to tell you right now, even in those moments when you can't feel the presence of God, even in services like this, when you're watching other people and you're seeing what they're doing and how they're responding. I want to tell you, even though you may not feel a thing, God is here. His angels are all around us. They are waiting for us to command them and they will do what we command them to do. We are the anointed of the Lord. His word is in our heart. Hallelujah. His authority has been given to us. Jesus said, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. And I give you this power to go in my name. You shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Glory to God. You shall pick up snakes and scorpions and it shall in no wise hurt you or harm you. See? You can pick up a snake. I think he's talking about two-legged snakes there. But I want you to know even though you may not feel the presence of God, you remember those times when you were growing up in, in church and you were made to go to church when you didn't want to go to church. You were made to sit in the Sunday school class. Now, I, I mean, I, I, I would, we went to church way out in the country. A little old boarded up country church. But man, we had the power, the Holy Ghost was in that place. The people would come together and pray and seek the Lord. And man's services would go on for three and four hours at a time. We'd go in the little old side room Sunday school class, all different ages. And the, and the lizards would go running in every direction when we opened the door. And my brother, my brother, he would take a lizard and hang one from each ear like that and sit up there for the teacher to teach. And I've thought about those times a lot of times. We were made to go. We didn't want to go, but we were made to go. But I was not aware of the conscious, of the unconscious presence of God at that moment and what God was doing in my life. As I was going through that particular situation, I didn't know that there was something being put inside of me that would be there for the rest of my life. And no matter how tough things got, no matter how hard they got, there's been days I wanted to walk away from all of it. But I remember that voice that has called me to preach the word and carry the mission of this great gospel to the ends of the earth. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Give the Lord praise in His house today. Before my dad died, he was in the hospital room and the doctor said he could go at any time. His heart was so bad. And he called for each one of his children one at a time to go in there. He said, I want to talk to my four preacher boys first. Because he was a preacher himself. 
I walked into the room. He took me by the hand. He said, son, I don't have any money to give you and to leave you. I don't have any heritage like that to pass on to you. But I will tell you, preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. He said, I don't have any money to give you, but that's the best that I can give. And I give it to you. And I still remember that charge today. I was not so much aware of the presence of God necessarily But I look back to that moment and I'm like the two men on the road to Emmaus. I may not have known what was going on at the time it happened, but I can look back over my life now and say, did not our hearts burn within us while He talked with us in the way? I'm telling you, there's been times in your life Hallelujah. I still got two more pages. I don't know if I'll get there or not, but, but I still remember those times in my life when it was a tedious problem and chore to do certain things, but you did it because it was right to do it. And I look back now and I say, I see the hand of God and I know that the Lord was doing something special in my life at that time. Hallelujah. Theologians have talked about the three big O's of God. His omniscience, His omnipresence, and His omnipotence. His omniscience means He knows everything. We get the word science from the last part of that. Omniscience means all-knowing God. Then omnipotence means He's all-powerful. We get the word potency or potent from the last part of that word. That means God can do anything. There is nothing that our God can't do. Hallelujah. Then the omnipresence of God means God is everywhere all the time. You can't escape from Him. You can't go anywhere that the Lord is not there. Remember again, as I remind you again, what the psalmist said, if I go to the highest mountain, He is there. And if I descend to the lowest part of the ocean, behold, He is there. Glory to God. I want to tell you, I may not be conscious of all that God is doing at every moment and every second of time, but I can be assured of the fact that He's got my good being in His mind and in His heart. And those of us who are the people of God know that all things are working together for the good of them that love the Lord who are the cold according to His purpose. Praise God and praise God and praise God again. He is worthy to be praised. Hallelujah. 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 We sit here in these services and we think about and we talk about the presence of God. I think about the prophecy of Scripture. We think about all of these New Testament prophecies that talk about the things that are going to happen in the last days. Prophecy is like a coin. It has two sides. It has a good side and a bad side. There's a lot of, there's a lot of Scripture that talks about in the last days perilous 
times would come when men shall be lovers of their own selves more than lovers of God. I think we can justifiably say that men will love pleasure more than we love God. It won't bother us to miss church. It won't bother us to skip a day from praying. It won't bother us to not read our Bible like we know we should. Men will be lovers of their own selves more than lovers of God. But I'm also here to tell you that the Scripture declares, as I read to you in the beginning, and it's still up on the board, be patient therefore, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord. Behold, the husbandman waiteth for the precious fruit of the earth, and he hath long patience for it, until he receive the early and the latter rain. The farmers, the Jewish and Hebrew farmers, knew what the early and latter rain was all about. In the early part of the planting season, when the seeds were just being put into the ground, there would be an early rain that would come. And it would be enough rain to wet the ground good and the seeds could germinate and begin to come up. Then there would be some intermittent showers here and there along the growing season. But then when it became almost time for the harvest, it would be what would be called the latter rain. When there would be a real drenching, gutter washing rain that would come and the best nutrients in the ground would come up and go into the plants so that the farmers would make an abundant crop. They knew what to look for in the early and in the latter rain. Most Bible scholars today believe that the day of Pentecost was the early rain when there was a move of the power of God and everybody heard the gospel in their own language. And the men, the 120 in the upper room spake with other tongues as the Spirit gave them the utterance. Hallelujah. And God began to move on that early seedling church. And it began to spread throughout the regions around about Jerusalem. We've had some intermittent revivals since then. We've had some moves of the Spirit. We've had the early the, we've had the, the move of the Spirit back in the 1900 area whenever there was great outpouring of the Holy Spirit. But I don't believe that's the latter rain. I believe the latter rain is yet to come. I believe we're going to see a great move of God in these last days. And we're going to see people once again get stirred up by the presence of God. I want to give you some scriptures today. You might want to write them down if you, don't, if you don't, can't remember them. I have 12 of them and I doubt if many of you can remember all 12 of them. But maybe you can. But I want to tell you, you can get ready for stuff to happen like has never happened before in your lifetime. I've been in a few revivals. I've seen people slain in the Spirit of God. I've seen a whole section of a church just fall out under the power of God. 
I've seen crippled people move aside, push aside their wheelchairs and stand up and walk out. I'm telling you, God is still God. He has not changed. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I want to, I want to focus on the good part of the prophecy and not the bad this morning. The Bible in Haggai chapter 2 and verse 9. I want you to put that scripture up there for me if I can. The prophet Haggai chapter 2 and verse 9. The, the, the prophet Haggai gave this prophecy. The glory of this latter house shall be greater than of the former, saith the Lord of hosts. And in this place will I give peace saith the Lord of hosts. There are some things that I expect during God's final call. And this will be at the end of this age when God begins finally to pour out the latter rain upon this earth to get the harvest ready for the return of the Lord. Hallelujah! Just as the farmers would prepare for the harvest the Lord is going to prepare. I want you to know, number one, thousands will be coming to Jesus Christ in single meetings. Acts chapter 2, verses 41. There's going to be thousands of people who will come to Jesus Christ in one meeting. We will see it taking place all across this nation. That's the first one. Number two, there's going to be astounding healings and massive miracles. Acts chapter 5, verses 14 to 16. We're going to see healings taking place like they took place in Bible times. We're going to see things that man thought was impossible, that God is suddenly raising it up again and bringing it back into our midst. Hallelujah. Number three, entire cities are going to be filled with the doctrine of Jesus. In, like in Acts chapter 5 and verse 28, we're going to see the move of the Spirit of God, hallelujah, so that whole cities will be, will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord and the preaching of the gospel. Number four, a fresh supernatural boldness for evangelism. Like in Acts chapter 4 and verse 31, we're going to see evangelism break forth with a new zeal and a new enthusiasm like we haven't seen in our lifetime. Number five, a continuous wave of love. God help us. God help us in this nation. A continuous wave of love, unity, and harmony among true believers. Acts chapter 4, verse 32. Acts chapter 15, verse 25. A true revival of love and unity and harmony in the church. Folks, listen. If we can't find love in the church, where are we going to find it? If we can't receive and accept our fellow brothers and sisters in the church, where will we ever be able to find it? God help us in the name of Jesus. 
I pray. Hallelujah. Number six, miraculous signs and wonders defying all natural laws known to man. In Acts chapter 5 verse 12. In Acts chapter 8 verse 13. In Acts chapter 14 verse 3. I believe that. We're going to have signs and wonders and miracles that are going to be taking place like you've never seen in your lifetime. I believe that. Number seven, I believe the dead are going to be raised to life. Yes, yes, that's exactly what I said. I believe the dead can be raised to life. Jesus is the life and the same power that raised up Jesus Christ from the dead is the same power that lives in me. Glory to God. And I believe in the supernatural power of God. Hallelujah. That's in Acts chapter 9, verses 40 to 43. Number eight, many believers' faces will reflect the glory of God. Like in Acts chapter 6, verse 15. Acts 6, 15. Then number nine, some believers will be supernaturally transported. Like Acts chapter 8, verse 39. <laughs> remember, remember when Philip is in the desert and all of a sudden he's talking to this Ethiopian eunuch and all of a sudden he's moved to another place. Nobody could explain it. That's just the move of the hand of Don't you limit God. Don't you say that God can't do that stuff anymore. I'm telling you, He's the same. Yesterday, today, and forever, He can do it right home. Hallelujah. Number 10. There are millions who are going to receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit and speak it in heavenly language they never learned with their intellect. That's Acts chapter 10. Verses 44 to 48 in Acts chapter 19, verses 1 through 6. Number 11, entire cities receiving the Word of God in a single day. Amen. Acts chapter 8, verses 1 through 14. Number 12, this is the last one. Add this one to your memory bank. False prophets will be exposed and dealt with severely by the true men of God. Acts chapter 13, verses 1 through 12. Folks, I believe we're on the brink of something dramatic, something global, something sudden and something irreversible, something simultaneously is going to move on this country of ours. And that's why we know, need to know that the stage is set, the final outpouring will not follow some man's plans of what he wants to do for revival. But I believe that God is going to move supernaturally across this land. Hallelujah! And we're going to see real revivals again. And this latter rain is going to get the harvest ready. And we're going to be caught up together because the Bible declares that Jesus Himself shall descend with a shout and with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God and the dead in Christ will rise first and we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. And I love that next little verse. 
He says, wherefore comfort one another with these words. I'm telling you, you may not always be conscious of God's presence, but no matter what the setting, no matter what's going on in life, whether you feel it or not, God is always there. He's always planning the next step that He wants you to take. He's always preparing you for what's about to come. This may not excite you one bit in the world, but as I was putting this stuff together, I'm telling you, I got excited when I start thinking about the former and the latter rain. I believe that the stage is set for the latter rain. There have been people who have been praying and interceding for years for a supernatural move of God, for churches to be stirred from their slumber and sleep and move on into the presence of the Holy Ghost. I believe it's happening. I believe it's taking place. Oh, I know this is a wicked world. This whole nation this week has been almost glued to the news about a little three-year-old girl taken out of her family's home and her body being discovered yesterday, I think. And the mama's boyfriend has been arrested because of it. I, I don't even have words to say to express how despicable the very thought is of a beautiful little girl or little boy. Folks, we are in a nation that is drunk on sex. We are, we are inebriated with the idea of sex. And it's stealing our children's childhood. It's taking away the innocence of them growing up and learning nature as it should be. This stuff is being thrown at them and poured in them. And they're being exposed to that kind of stuff even in grammar school ages when they ought to be concerned about what doll baby they want for Christmas. They're having to deal with this other grown-up adult stuff. Oh God, have mercy on us. I'm saying, Lord, give us some more intercessors that will pray and that will seek God and will change the course of our lives because this is a sick society we're living in. We wanted to get God out of the schools. We wanted to take the Bible reading out of the schools. And now what do we have? You see what we have. It's being seen every day on the news and across this land. That's what we get because a nation that forgets God will be turned into destruction. Oh God, oh God, let the latter rain fall. Let the latter rain fall, God. Let it prepare us for the coming of the Lord. I pour my heart out in these messages and I pray and I seek the Lord and I want to deliver His Word and I see so many who really could care less 
and I see people who don't care whether they come to church or not. I'm more concerned about their soul than they are. And I say, oh God, what is it going to take to wake us up? Sometimes I feel like, oh God, if the Lord God Himself was to walk down the aisles of our church, we'd be like the men on the way to Emmaus. We wouldn't even know that it was His presence and it was His power. God have mercy on us. I need to close. Let's stand. I've delivered my heart to you today. I believe in the latter rain. I believe that the latter rain is already beginning. We're going to see judgment like we've never seen it. But the good side of that is we're going to see a move of God. And those who have a heart for God are going to follow after God. And those who are running away from God like Jonah, they're going to find their way down to Joppa. And they're going to find their way away from the presence of God. But you can't run from the presence of God. Jonah found out that even in the belly of a whale, God could reach him there. You can't get away from God. God's going to find you wherever you are. Wherever you are, God, hear our prayer today. Oh Lord, let the words of our mouth and the meditations of our heart be acceptable in thy sight. Oh Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. I wonder how many of you feel like like I feel today and feel like the coming of the Lord is near at hand. I feel like I need to stop and let's pray a minute. If you feel that way, you'd like to join me at the front. Come on.